This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This week, Burnley face the Seagulls, Brighton and Hove Albion at Turf Moor, in a game that many wanted us to kickstart our season. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. I'm Natalie Bromley and we are outside Turf Moor where the Clarets have just come off from a 1-0 home win to Brighton. My goodness me, does that feel good. Um, just me at the moment, uh, me, Robbie and Dave are all in separate areas so we're not together to record some immediate pre-match, sorry, <laughs> post-match reaction. But I think Robbie's going to have a quick word in a minute before we head back into studio on Monday night and, and analyse in full. Um, Great performance again. I'm not entirely sure um, it was as intense and as, as, I guess, robust as the Arsenal game, uh, not Arsenal, sorry, the Liverpool game was. But I think a lot of that's got to be down to the opposition, really. I don't think Brighton proved as much of a threat as maybe Liverpool did, and they certainly didn't create as many chances as Liverpool did. Um, so because of that, we enjoyed a little bit more possession and we perhaps didn't need to fight as much for the ball as we did on Wednesday night. So... Um, it was just a different game, really. Um, I'm not sure what I was expecting before the game, just on the grounds that I thought... Well, I was expecting a much more improved Burnley performance, I think, following that Saturday night. Um, sorry, that Wednesday game. God, can't you just tell that I'm all over the place because we've just come off for a win? I'm getting all my words mixed up. Um, yeah, I was expecting still the same fight that we got on, on Wednesday because I think we've definitely turned a corner then. But I maybe was a little bit worried about the opposition. I think going into the game, I'd got it into my head that, that Brighton maybe weren't as far up the table as it was. And for some reason, I thought they were only three or four points above us. And then I looked at the table before the game and, you know, they'd come into this fixture on 21 points, ninth in the table. And we were in 19th with just nine points. And it's, so I said I had a bit of a wobble, I think, pre-game um, as to whether or not we would win. But we did. Um, the goal itself was absolutely fantastic. I think Jack Cork's a little bit unlucky, really, because it was a fantastic strike and just hit. I think it hit Tarkovsky's back, actually, and went to the back of the net. But quite frankly, I don't think the team at the moment will care how they go in. They're just going to go in. Um, I guess if we're being super critical, um, I'm still not convinced that Woods 
there yet. Um, he's looking like a striker that's just lost all of confidence levels. He just looks completely lost, really. Um, I'm a bit torn between whether we give him an extended run in the side and just try and get him to rediscover that form or whether or not we do just try and find um, a, a more threatening strike force and give them as long as we possibly can um, I think Vox has been pretty unlucky really to lose his place in the starting lineup, but we'll see um, it was an important win today I haven't seen the table yet but I think that takes us out of the bottom three because we have got Arsenal away and we've got Spurs away for the next couple of fixtures so it's going to be really really difficult from those games themselves but you know what third win of the season the resilience is back the drive's back um, I'm absolutely happy and I'm going to see what young Robbie has to say. So I'm back in the car after a wet and very windy turf moor. Burnley move pick up the three points against Brighton. It's the first win in eight games. James Tarkovsky, the difference. I thought I think it was. It was a very typical tells Burnley goal, similar to the one we got against Liverpool on Wednesday night. Ball in. I think it was Jack Cork with a shot, and he ended up going in off Tarkovsky's chest. Kind of summed up the game. Really, wasn't pretty. Um, I don't think I think both sides really lacked any real quality, but I think we probably just edged it in terms of actually nicking anything from the game. I thought Brighton were, despite dominating the ball for twenty in the opening twenty five minutes or so, I felt we would we just edged it. Um, I felt Brighton didn't really create anything and really put us under any real sustained pressure. I can't think of a single save Joe Hart made. Don't think we're back to our best yet. That was far, far from it. It wasn't the greatest advert for Premier League football either. But I don't know whether to say whether that was that's we're almost getting there in terms of what we want to see from our Sean Dyche side. But that resilience was certainly on show, which has been uh, key to shutting Sean Dyche's six years in charge. I felt we individuals were getting back to the best. Certainly in the back four, I felt Bardsley uh, carried on from where he left off on Wednesday night with really hard challenges. Uh, I thought Tarkovsky and Ben Mee were solid again. Charlie Taylor had did okay at left back. Probably just through midfield, and I felt our front two probably just lacked any real quality, any cutting edge. I felt Robbie Brady battled hard in terms of his defensive uh, responsibilities, but going forward just didn't really offer as much as as we know he can he can do. Uh, Gummanson went off early with an injury early in the second half. I'm not sure whether that's an impact injury whether he's pulled something uh, we have to wait to see on that one uh, Westwood and Cork battled hard a little bit better than have been uh, not quite to the standards of what Wednesday night was but they battled hard and they helped us get the three points obviously Cork again uh, played a key part in the goal for me is a big concern on Chris Wood I think he's significantly out of form um, I think he drastically needs a goal um, he scored in the, in the away game at West Ham not too long ago and you felt like he would pick up after that but he didn't really receive the service in fairness to him but I felt I just feel his overall game is lacking I don't think he's holding the ball up as well I don't think he's running the channels as well as he could be as to Barnes again I don't think it was his best game but he sort of did the basics very well he, I felt he battled Lewis Dunk really well he was a very good centre half he ran the channels and did the ugly stuff and it's sort of a typical Ashley Barnes performance and I, I just feel that Chris Wood is I think it's time for I want to see Sam Volk start with Ashley Barnes I think Chris Wood is just just lacking I think he needs to come off the bench maybe grab a goal that way to try and get him like started which he had a really good year last season obviously he was our top goal scorer and to see him struggling away is really sad to see uh, Vidra made the bench again didn't make the 11 uh, sorry didn't even make the, the game at all and you've sort of wonder whether you don't know where Vidra's going to 
fit in this side again. But I think that's all the basics covered. I felt there wasn't much to talk about in terms of controversial moments. I felt the referee managed the game okay. Matty Ryan did some time wasting, as you expect. But the the overall game was poor. The weather was poor. The atmosphere was um, questionable. Towards the end, it did pick up when we were uh, holding on. But yeah, it's, it's, I think we just just got the three points in the end, and that's all that's in, that's that's important right now. And there we go. Immediate match reaction from myself, Natalie and Robbie. Quite different ends of the spectrum there. Robbie, I do not know what on earth was wrong with you this week, but I think uh, he definitely wasn't as excited as I was coming off Turf more. Maybe the uh, the Lancashire cold and wet rain <laughs> dampened his spirit somewhat, but clearly we are delighted with three points. And we are now back in studio mode to further analyse that fantastic win on Saturday against Brighton, which has dragged Burnley out of the relegation zone. Our first win in eight games and only our third win this season and listeners I am absolutely delighted to inform you that our very special guest this evening is none other than the legend himself club commentator Phil Phil, welcome to the show hi good evening now, we're going to spend um, two halves of this show this week. We are yep. going to um, have a look at the the game itself and, and Phil's going to give us his um, pearls of wisdom and let us know what he thought and, and generally what's happening this season at the club and where he thinks we can take this season. And then the second half, we have some very exciting news because Phil has published his first book, which I believe it is your first book, isn't it, Phil? Uh, I've, done a, I've done a cricket book before, Natalie, actually, but ah, it's my first yeah. Burnley. It's my first Burnley book. Excellent. Well, I'm I'll not sure it'll be the first of many, but you never know. You never, oh, never know. Let's hope so. Um, it's called Burnley FC on this day. So we're going to spend um, a bit of time at the end of the show talking through the process of that book, and, and Phil can tell us all about it. It's a really exciting book, and we might just have a little competition for you. Yeah. But yeah. first... Phil, what an important win on Saturday. Big three points. I don't need to tell everybody that. Massive three points. I think it was a game we'd sort of highlighted we could win, and we did. I think we just about deserved it. It was a bit tense, a bit nervous at the end, but you know, I thought we just about deserved it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm not, I'm not sure I particularly agree with Chris Uton's comments after the game where he said that, that he thought they were by far the better side and should have won. I think there's uh, perhaps some, some PR going well, on there. It's a strange one, wasn't it? Because they, they didn't come to win. They wasted a lot of time early on. Amazingly, the referee only added on a minute at the end of the first half. Their keeper must have wait- wasted three or four. You know, they came, I thought, for a point. Uh, and that seemed very negative, considering how well they'd done. Absolutely. I mean, I think I'd said this in my um, immediate um, match reaction earlier on, in that I, before the game, I'd got it into my head that I thought they were only about three or four points above us, which is perhaps a little disrespectful, but I hadn't massively kept an eye on who was above us. I was a bit more concerned about those bottom three. Yeah. But, you know, before the game, I hadn't realised they got themselves up to 21 points in ninth position already. Yeah. So I was kind of disappointed in them to see just how negative that the football was. Um, So I'm going to start at the end, actually, because I think it's a really important point that you said there that um, it was a little bit nervy in that last minute. And and when the the referee had blown for five minutes of extra time, one thing I was particularly impressed with, Phil, was just the resilience that we showed 
given that this is quite a fragile side at the moment that's just finding its feet again, my God, did they dig in in those last five minutes. Everybody wanted it. Everybody wanted it. There was real desire there, wasn't it? I thought the crowd were fantastic, actually. Got right behind the lads. And, and it was a gritty, gritty performance. And just right at the end, it got nervy. But like old times, they, they saw it out. We're good at that. We, we have been good at that over the years. You know, holding on to leads. Sometimes it's not pretty. But boy, you know, we can be determined. And I thought we were close to our old self there. Yeah, I, I definitely think that as well. I think we'd, we'd shown it, hadn't we, midweek against Liverpool. And I was perhaps, I don't know, I don't know whether I was expecting exactly the same level of intensity on Wednesday. But I think a lot of that's down to the opposition. I don't think Brighton probably didn't offer much, did they? So we didn't no. really have to fight for the ball as much as we did against Liverpool and to, to try and, and keep our, our structure. Yeah, they sat back, didn't they? I thought early on, whereas Liverpool were going at us. And it was a different sort of scenario. I thought it was a, it wasn't a great game initially, but we had a good spell just before half time when we scored. I thought we were on top when we scored. I know it was a scrappy goal, but we don't really care, do we? No, <laughs> we really don't. And uh, yeah, it, it was a good one to go in. I think a lot of the the press articles have said that you know it wasn't pretty, but it was it was Burnley doing what they do best. Yeah. And yeah. I found it quite interesting to to listen to those comments about exactly what the media think, you know, stereotypical Burnley is and what is our bet. And I think one of the things we were a little conscious with after Jurgen Klopp's um, little hissy fit midweek about how physical we are, I didn't actually think that we displayed similar qualities to that until that last five minutes. They were at Hendrick and Taylor put some some real tackles in there just... You know, like you say, to say we want this, and you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get this equalizer. Yeah, there's Jeff Hendrick on the halfway line, almost bang on the whistle, wasn't it? Fighting and scrapping for the ball. I'm not sure with that physical week in week out. I, 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 I just don't think with that physical, we don't throw ourselves into lots and lots of tackles. We jockey for position. We close down people. We get blocks in. I'm not as sure, you know, we're as physical as people are making out. No, I, I I think that's really unfair, actually. And I don't know where it's come from. I think there's, well, I, I guess I flit sometimes, Phil. Sometimes I think it's a, a bias towards the unfashionable teams yeah. in the league. And sometimes I think maybe it's an ignorance because people just stereotype yeah. us to say that we are a long ball specialist yeah. where we're not. We actually do play very direct football and we utilise the, the style of players that we have. And also we're a physical side. Well, I'm not I'm not really sure I agree with you. Yeah, I completely agree I, with I you. I think I'm the discipline's sure pretty good normally. Um, yeah. You know, it was Ashley Barnes at Hull uh, way back when it, when we had the last sending off in the Premier League. The challenge of yeah. Jeff Hendricks at Watford was, was a one-off. You know, we didn't have yeah. anybody sent off in the Premier League all of last season. No. So, you know, it, you know, it's, it's not happening, is it? Week in, week out, we tend to yeah, jockey for position, close people down, try and get the blocks in. That's that's the way we go about it. And the discipline's been good, I think. Yeah, it really has. And I think as well, if you one thing that we have been quite unlucky with is the the number of penalties we've conceded we you know I think James Tarkovsky as well has has found himself conceding quite a lot of what we call really soft penalties where you know the likes of Deli Ali and and those specialists will will find the spaces in the box to, to concede a penalty but it's interesting that none of those challenges have been for 
sorry, none of the penalties have been for rash challenges in the box or sliding or teching the players out. They've been for silly things like maybe a hand or a, a yeah. slight pull of the shirt or getting the body in front of them. And and Phil, like you say, our disciplinary record speaks volumes. It, you know, and, and again, we, we talked about this on the podcast last week, the fact that Jurgen Klopp couldn't really pinpoint a particularly nasty challenge. He said they were all legal. Yeah. But anyway, strange it's a one, bit of a nonsense. It? It just but, a strange one. Yeah, it was a strange one. But I think, like you say, I, I certainly think on Saturday we were showing quite a... Um, I guess we were seeing more of the ball than maybe we did against Liverpool. Yeah. Just picking up on some of the points you said yeah. then about you were saying that you didn't think it was particularly pretty. We're not known, are we, for our flair football at the moment? Who knows in the future how that will improve in terms of the quality we bring in. But Goodmanson is probably one of our most creative players and it was kind of sad to see him limping off I'm, I'm, I've not heard no. anything since but I'm hoping that's a minor no me neither no he has struggled with a calf injury hasn't he on and off so I'm hoping it's not a reoccurrence of that thought Robbie Brady had uh, his best game since he came back he looked sharp played the 90 minutes I think he's getting back to where he was I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Dyche is looking for an extra extra wide man in the January window because we're a little yeah, bit short definitely. there a little bit short there but they have to be a certain type, don't they? They've got to get back, help the full back, get forward. And Aaron Lennon's pretty good at that, gets through a lot of work. You know, they've got to be a certain type of player to play wide under Sean Dyche. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether this puts you on the spot slightly a little bit, so forgive me if it does, but we know that we've had a few frustrating transfer windows in the time that we've been in the Premier League. And certainly this one pre-season in the summer was, was hugely frustrating. Do you think that decisions like that, where we we step, we almost request such a niche player who can do all of these things, can maybe be our downfall in the in the transfer window? It can be. It can be. Uh, I mean, there were well publicised targets that we didn't get from West Brom. Kept going. We kept going. We didn't get. So that was the frustration. We did spend twenty eight million. Nobody went yeah, out. We did. Nobody went out. No, we could have easily true. lost. You know, one of our stars didn't. Yeah, Tarkovsky Indeed, yeah. You know, there'd have been plenty of takers for him. Mm. Uh, we spent £28 million. Perhaps there's a frustration that two of those players have barely played in Vidra and Gibson. And I think both are smashing players and will have a big part to play as the season goes on. So, you know, you're not going to be able to bring in at each stage six, seven players, are you? You know, it is no. maybe two, three, four at a time. And I think it would be difficult in January. You know, we're just outside the bottom three now. It may be even harder mm. in January to bring players in than it was in the summer. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that a few weeks ago, actually. And we've said that I think that's probably, for me, the most frustrating element of the of the poor transfer window in the summer. Well, I, I say poor. Um, I, I do think Gibson was a fantastic signing. I think Gibson's and, and a really good player, Vidra. Natalie. You yeah, know, me too. Um, we, me we'll too. see him and, and I think he'll be a fantastic signing for us. Yeah, I'm a, a huge fan of Matty Vidra as well when we see him in 2037 playing. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be well, It's very competitive. Isn't it? You know, it's very competitive. It is, yeah. um, you know, the lads get frustrated when they're out of the side. I'm sure Sam Vogues is frustrated at the minute, not done a lot oh wrong. God, yeah. You know, Matty Vidra's, you know, really desperate to get involved. They'll get the chance. They'll get the chance. There'll be plenty of opportunities. And we're in a real battle. Everybody will play a part. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And of course, we have still got the FA Cup to come. And I think if we can manage to, to sort our season out a little bit by Christmas and, and feel a bit more positive, then we don't necessarily need to 
get ourselves out of no. the cup straight no, away. We'll fancy our chances. Won't we against Barnes? Yeah. I'm sure we'll fancy our chances. Uh, we need to get up Definitely. nice and early for that. Yes, we do. And actually, a couple of things, and I'm just going to pause yeah. here. Firstly, with the FA Cup, knowing obviously you're a, a commentator and you're, you're a very good commentator, what on earth is the problem with people getting Burnley and Barnsley mixed up? This is this draw is going to be a commentator's nightmare. I, I, I've never followed that. I don't really understand that. I don't understand that. Different <laughs> counties, my, miles apart. It just just keeps happening, doesn't it? Every now and then, just keeps happening. It does. Well, I don't know if you saw this when we played Newcastle and it was on on Sky. They had Davy Ginola in in yeah. the Sky Sports studio on Monday night, and he tweeted yeah. after the game how how what a great result it was for yeah. Newcastle and uh, against and they, 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 he tagged Barnsley yeah, he in it. The official yeah. club yeah. tweet. We were onto that in a flash. Everybody uh, yeah. uh, tweeted that round, didn't we? Yeah. Retweeted yeah, that round. So we were on it in a flash. We were. So can we stick on strikers then, since you brought that up about people paying the pot and particularly about Sam Vokes being frustrated, which I'm, I'm sure he is. I, I kind of feel this season, and I don't know how you feel about this, but it, it doesn't feel like we've yet determined who our preferred strike force is and it feels a little bit tinker doesn't it up front do you have in your mind a preferred strike partnership or a preferred formation who do you think like plays better against I think I think Sean Dyche has a preference for 4-4-2 most weeks he has a preference for 4-4-2 we had some success last year with Jeff Hendrick playing in the number 10 role that's not his most favoured position he'd prefer to be central midfield and in some ways it didn't do him any favours but I think week in week out the manager would prefer four four two, but it's how you go about getting four four two. Still, one of them has to sort of drop back a little bit. You'll see that with Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood in uh, recent weeks. Vidru was doing it off folks, so sometimes it's four four one one. It's a tough, tough division. You've got to get men in midfield, yeah. haven't you? And sometimes it's difficult to play two right up front, and I think that's part of the problem. And I don't think we've quite seen the Chris Wood that we saw last season. He's a fantastic player. It's just not happening for him at the minute in front of goal. He had that chance just before we scored when he hit the keeper's legs. We need one of those to go in, I think, for Woody at the minute. And once he scores, I think he'll score plenty. Yeah, it's definitely... That was going to be my next next comment, actually. So that's very nasty to you. It's almost like you're a pro, Phil. Well, I think I've seen your script. (laughs) Um, Chris Wood is probably the hot topic at the moment amongst Burnley fans. You, you're quite right. Um, he is a fantastic player, but equally, he just he seems to be a shadow of his former self this season. He, he's playing with a, a such a lack of confidence and, and it's, it's, it's throughout the entire game. And I'm really torn as to whether or not we give him an extended run in the side to try and get him to find that form again and, and feel like you say, maybe putting the ball needs in the goals, back of the net would be the, the, the He needs the, goals. Yeah, and huge. I think, you know, once once he's yeah, he scored, does. I think you'll see a different different player. You know, I know it's frustrating when players are caught offside. There was even analysis to suggest he was offside for Tarkovsky's goal. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, the defender edited it away. But, you know, he, he'll get going. He'll get going. Uh, but the gaffer will keep rotating if he needs to, you know, to to keep us going. Yeah. I, I think I think it's at the other end. You know, we've we struggled keeping the goals out. I think at the other end, that that's the main priority for me at the minute is is keeping the goals against now. 
Okay. Well, that's uh, that's probably the the second contentious area for our certainly for our listeners at the moment, and maybe Burnley fans generally, from what we see on social media. It's the the long standing Hart versus Heaton debate. Now, I was delighted for Joe Hart on Saturday to get that clean sheet. I'm in the Hart camp at the moment. I'm not. There's so many fans who just think that the the goals that are going in are solely down to him. I I don't buy that. I'm I'm a big fan and I think some of the shots that he's saved this season have stopped us getting beat four or five nil nearly every single game. I think he's had a fantastic season. Deitch has come out this week and has admitted in, in Burnley Express to to Borden that he th- he's resigned to the fact that Heaton will probably leave in January. As much as you can Phil and I appreciate this is this probably a difficult conversation for you, but where do you sit on the? Well, actually, no. Let's not ask that question because that's kind of confrontational. Do you? Are you? Well, I tell you where I do. I tell you where okay. I sit with three fantastic keepers. Yes. Three fantastic keepers. Uh, the three best keepers, probably apart from Alan Stevenson, that I've seen in a Burnley shirt. Um, they're all top, top-notch keepers with different qualities. Um, Joe Hart had a. A lot of work to do. A lot of work to do in games. Not so much Saturday uh, against Brighton, although he makes a good save with the uh, forehead left yeah. on. Um, but it's a great save. Naby Keita against Liverpool when he touches it onto the outside of the post. That's that's his best save so far in a Burnley shirt. You, you don't play 75 times for England. You don't play all those games in the Premier League if you're not a top-class keeper. Now, he's a different keeper to, to Nick Pope in so much as there's a shot stopper. He won't come and collect the same number of balls that Nick Pope will. Because Nick Pope's seven foot odd or whatever. He's a massive keeper, dominates his area, really does dominate his area so the different keepers you're comparing you know in some ways uh, apples and oranges you know they are different keepers but all three of them are top top notch and I'd be really sorry to see Tom Eaton move on I really yeah. would because he's two promotions fantastic in the Premier League for us you know a really really difficult injury a, a, an awful injury when he fell on his shoulder uh, one or two complications took a while to get over uh, but in the meantime, Nick Pope was marvellous. Yeah, he really, really was. really was. His season last year was incredible. Yeah, it really was. And like I say, we were just ridiculously unlucky. And in that that first, when we were away at um, Aberdeen in the, the first uh, first Europa League yeah. game, you know, Nick Pope wasn't yeah. even supposed to play that game. It was only because no, um, no. was it Heaton pulled out. Did he? Uh, he had a tweak, didn't he? Yeah, Heaton he was, was injured. Start. Yeah, Heaton was injured in the build-up. So uh, Nick Pope had only just come back from the World Cup, played against Aberdeen, thousand to one, yeah. ten thousand to one occurrence. And I think it's James Tarkovsky that catches him in the end and knocks his uh, shoulder out of yeah. joint. And uh, you know they're awful injuries. Yeah, they really they're awful are. injuries for keepers. You know, and it's knocked him back six months in effect, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really has. And and it's it's okay. I guess where I'm coming from with this, you're absolutely right. We have got a ridiculously selfish number of top England goalkeepers. We were never going to be able to keep hold of three. Um, no, no, it's 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 unlikely, isn't yeah. it? You know, I guess something has to happen. It feels like all it's going to be heated. They're going to want to play football. They're all going to want to play football. They're all going to play football at a good level. 
So it's difficult. Yeah, it's it really difficult. Is. But it'll be heart wrenching to see uh, Tom Eaton move on. Yeah. It's fantastic for them. I think that news this week hit everybody, and I think there's going to be a mixture of, well, there's going to be some anger, particularly the fans that don't like Joe Hart for whatever reason, whatever agenda that is. Um, there's going to be a lot of anger there. But I think for most of it, it's just going to be soul destroying to see him leave. Um, it's, it's a strange agenda, that, isn't yeah. it? Because, you know, all those Premier League games, you know, Premier League time with Man City, all the clean sheets. And do you know what? He celebrated that clean sheet on Saturday like it was his best ever. Yeah, he really did. That tells you something. Yeah, no, yeah. it does. It feels to me, I don't know if you feel the same, but it feels to me like he's been with us forever. It doesn't feel yeah, like he's he wants, only just started. He wants to play football. Yeah. Credit to the guy. You know, he, he could have he could have stayed at City. He could have stayed at City. They had an injury to Claudio Bravo. He'd been on the bench. He could have stayed, you know, taking his wage. But he's not like that, is he? He wants to play football. And he's shown some real desire coming to Burnley. Yeah, good for him. And you're getting on the side. Yeah, definitely. Um, Final point on certainly Saturday's game before we move on to to wider points. Are we ever going to get a penalty? (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Again. You do wonder, don't you? You do wonder. Uh, Bernardo um, took lumps off... uh, Bardsley's forehead. Yeah. It, seemed, it seemed a penalty to me at the time. I had a mini rant. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, ben Mee did, uh, did speak to the press after, and, and Ben said I'd be disappointed if it was given against me. Oh, really? You know, you're going for the ball. Yeah, you're going for the ball. You might accidentally catch your opponent. But for me, it looked like Sadio Mane on, uh, on the Man City keeper at yeah. uh, the start of the last season. You know, it's dangerous play at the end of the, at the, end of the day. Yeah. Surely has to be a penalty. I, I couldn't believe it. It's fifty nine now, isn't it? It is fifty nine. I understand it's not a Premier League record, by the way. Wimbledon hold that, but you know it's not going to be long before yeah, we're we'll, on that we'll be there. That <laughs> wow! Um, You're not telling me in all that time we've not had perhaps three, four, five definite penalties. Yeah, well, the, the, I'm the, sure we have. The most obvious one was away at Huddersfield. Jeff Hendrick got Hendrick. taken out, yeah. in the that was yeah. like yeah. the most I've ever seen. I, yeah. I couldn't believe that yeah. wasn't given. Well, I thought Saturday was likewise. I must say, I yeah. Saturday, and I thought that you know the the left back thought it was going to be given. I just thought he, 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 he just looked like he looked guilty, didn't yeah, he? He, he looked did. guilty, charged. I'm quite, I'm quite surprised, and I wonder whether this is preying perhaps on Ben Mee's mind. To me, the the penalty appeal on Saturday was very similar to the one not last season, the season before, that Ben Mee conceded down at the Emirates at Arsenal yeah. when they yeah. got. Maybe we'd that gone was ahead. going through his mind. Yeah, yeah, and he was yeah. livid at the time to concede that goal. Yeah, but, we'd gone level. I think yeah. we'd gone level, haven't we, in injury time with the yes. penalty, and then, and then conceded the penalty ourselves. Yeah. Believe it or not. It's like 97 in, uh, minutes or something stupid, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But again, Phil, we're just looking for some consi- some consistency here. And now, obviously, Ben Mee's probably had that preying on his mind that he's realised that, you know, he'd be very disappointed if that was given because he was disappointed for the Arsenal game. But at the time, yeah. we were very heavily criticised for defending him and everybody un- universally said... That's yes. a penalty, you can't do that. So then why yeah. doesn't the same rule apply at Turf Well, Moore? indeed, indeed, yeah. indeed. In the time in the Arsenal game, he was offside, by the way, as well. But, yeah. you know, yeah, you need a level of consistency week in, week out. And you just don't seem to get that. Whether VAR would give you that next season, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, for me, the incident on Saturday looked very similar to Marnay's against Man City at the start yeah. of last season. 
Where do you stand on VAR? I mean, are you a fan? Do you think it's going to make a difference? Do you think it's going to damage the game? Uh, I, I think it needs to happen. I think it needs to happen. Whether we're ready for it yet, I don't know. It was a bit of a... Uh, mix, mix and match in the World Cup, wasn't it? Some worked. I thought the final was a bit of a mess. The penalty given in the final was a mess. You know, I think it's a way of getting better and more consistent decisions. Whether we're there yet, I don't know. I don't think in England we've got a lot of experience of using it. We'll see it in, F- in the FA Cup uh, next year, won't we, at uh, Premier League grounds. So, uh, we'll have to see that. I'm wondering if it's going to be Burnley Barnsley because it's co- covered on overseas TV. It may well be that we have VAR for the first time. Oh, really? More for that game. Yeah, we'll have to get a decision on that and wait on that. But that could be the very first VAR game at Turf Moor. That's exciting. I'd quite like to be the Raffa, Raffa wants it now. Raffa wants yeah. it now, doesn't he? <laughs> I want it to rewind night. from Saturday yeah. so we can get a penalty. I didn't, I didn't think he was right. I thought I thought, I thought, thought the referee done okay, actually. Yeah. I thought the first decision was right. Okay, he didn't see the elbow, but we can't expect referees necessarily to see every bit of contact in the box. But I thought, you know, the, the Newcastle lad was rightly sent off. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think probably my only concern with, with VAR is, is very much the how it eradicates the subjective decisions because it's still a human at the end of the day. They're just looking at it on yeah. a computer screen rather than looking at it on, it's on, on still a pitch. judgment call, yeah, isn't it? Sorry, is. It's still a judgment call, isn't it? You know, you hear this, well, his, his head, his head was offside. His, his, his right foot was offside. These are still sort of judgments, aren't they? Yeah. You know, at one point in time, you've got to have a consistency. Maybe VAR will give us more consistency because it does seem that we are our done by. Maybe we're looking through Clarence <laughs> Blue tinted glasses, but at times you do feel you're our done by. And I have said in the past, I think VAR would help sides away from the top six. Yeah, I may be wrong. No, I, I think I you're right. It might help the lesser sides. Yeah, but definitely. people keep going back to me and say, "Well, we don't get in the box enough to get penalties." But we were in the box with Bardsley on Saturday. Yeah, we were. Hendrick was in the box last Christmas when we didn't get the decision at Uddersfield. And there's probably three or four more I could give you uh, at some notice. And I, you know th- those should have been penalties for us. You can't go 59 games without getting a penalty. No, without something being wrong. But I, I found out at the weekend, and I hadn't realised this, that the, the team that was closest to us, who they got a penalty on Saturday on their 58th game, was Leeds. Leeds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they've not had one for ages, which really no. surprised me. No, I, I'm doing well. Mm. I suppose if you're towards the top of the table, you're expecting to get more penalties than than other sides. But you look at Palace, Palace seem to get a penalty uh, Every other day. I, you know, that that <laughs> can't be right. It can't be right. No. Can it? I know they've got players who run with the ball into the box, but something not quite right there. No, I agree. Before we move on then to talk about uh, about the book that, that we obviously we're going to speak about in a moment, I guess in summary, taking into account everything that's happened this season, what are your hopes for the season? Where do you think we can realistically finish? Uh, we, we've got a battle on our hands. Um, we've got to survive. We've got to survive. Um, I, I think there's seven teams down there. Uh, we're looking at Cardiff, Newcastle, Palace, ourselves, uh, Southampton, Fulham, um, Fulham and, well. and Huddersfield. And Huddersfield. Um, so those seven, I think, you know, maybe Brighton could slip into it. You know, mm. um, they didn't impress on Saturday. So maybe it could be eight. 
But you know, I tweeted today, we've won, since we were promoted in 2016, we've won 18 games at home against sides outside the big six, the traditional big six. That's where we've had some success. Uh, we did it again, obviously, against Brighton. We've another eight games at Turf Moor between now and the end of the season against sides out of the uh, big six at home. We need to win our share of those. We may need to win five yeah, of those. Yeah, we do. You know, and that does include Everton. It does include West Ham. It yeah. does include, you know, Leicester and Wolves, which are really tough games. So, you know, that's where I think our success will be, our results against the sides away from the big six. Yeah, definitely. You're absolutely right. But I'm confident. I'm um, confident. I'm <laughs> confident there's three worse sides than us, Natalie. Yeah, I think I was starting to lose belief until the Liverpool game. And then I, when I saw that we were back and that something had clicked again and that fog that Deitch talked about at the beginning of the season had lifted, I, I definitely felt more confident I, then. I think we, we saw the players were absolutely up for the game, weren't they? They were 100% behind the manager. And yeah. I think that got a reaction from the crowd. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we've had a bit of a tip for tap between the managers. I think it's almost, you know, reignited the crowd a little bit. We're all for it. Jack Court made a good point after the Liverpool game when he was speaking to the press. The players have got a responsibility. They've got to get the crowd up. It's not for the crowd to get the players up. It works both ways. I, I think, you know, we're up for the battle. We're up for the battle. And we've got to find a way of, of finishing above three. Absolutely. And I think we will. I, I, I think we you. will. Yeah. Excellent. See, listeners, we are confident on the Positive. podcast. Phil Bird, we know we're going to survive. So let's let's move on and let's talk about some very exciting news for you personally, because you have, as we talked about in the opening few stages of this episode, you have written and published a yes. new Burnley FC book yes. called Burnley FC on this day. History, facts and figures from every day of the year. Yeah. Phil, tell us what this book is. Well, for a little while, I've done a little feature in the uh, in the programme. Listeners will have seen that, where we look back on the day of the game and have a look back at some of the, uh, the great games that Burnley have been involved in on that day. And back end of last year, one or two discussions, Dave Roberts was helping with it, Dave Thomas as well, uh, and we got a publisher who, uh, who wanted to get it out there and replicate, really, what we do in the programme. And it's been great. It's been fantastic. I've got records of about about 2,000 Burnley games over the years from cuttings and from, from, from scrapbooks and newspaper cuttings. So I've got you know, plenty of detail on there that I was able to use for the book. And we've got such a fantastic history. I don't think there's other clubs out there like us who've been at the very top and the very bottom, nearly going out of the Football League. You know, we've had so many days of history that, you know, you can write a different story about every day. So where where did the inspiration come from then? I mean, was this something that you... Clearly, I expect that there's got to be a lot of prep in this. You must have realised you were going to write this book some time ago. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's built up over years. Yeah, we started the feature in the programme uh, nearly 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, a lot of time... You know, I've spent, spent time going through all Burnley Expresses, which, which, you know, you enjoy doing. You're looking at some memories. You know, I go back a little while. I, I, I'm, you know, reluctant to say that, but... You know, my first uh, first game on Turf Moor was the late 60s. So, you know, I, I'm going back 50 years now. You know, some great memories. 
uh, and some difficult times as well. And uh, just to put those in book form was uh, a great bit of fun, a great bit of fun. Yeah, uh, I imagine. It's out there for everybody to, to, to enjoy. And I hope it just, you know, rekindles some memories. No, I'm sure it will. And I think you hit the nail on the head then when you said that we're a very unique club in, yeah. in its relationship to its fans. And we do have fans that... That are, that are lifers we stick with us through thick and thin yeah. forever and it's going to be a fantastic read i'm sure it's going to really spark some memories for a lot of listeners when you were putting the book together was there anything that was particularly surprising that you'd either forgotten about or, or something that really sparked your interest um yeah yeah i mean i went back and had a look at the european the the, the original european years I, I i wasn't old enough to remember the time in the european cup the Intercity Fairs Cup. So that was a little bit new to me, able to go back and have a look at that. And lo and behold, whilst I was doing that, we were finishing seventh and we were back in Europe. It was like an almost yeah, a, gosh. You know, a twilight zone moment. You know, I've been looking back at these European games and hang on a minute, we're off. We're off to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> we're off to Athens. We're off to Istanbul. And that was bizarre. That was a little bit bizarre, as though it was meant to happen. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I think I got real goose pimples when I uh, when um, I got sent, obviously, the, the, the background to the book so we could look at it for, for this show. And I'm just going to read through the, the narrative on the, the – I guess it's a sales pitch. I'm sure there's probably a literary explanation. Well, they asked me for some apologies. details, Natalie, and, uh, well, I, I gave them far too much. Far too much. You well, had to th- cut it right listen down. Listen to this. Yeah. This is fantastic. So this is this is the description of the book, and this is absolute for every Clarets fan. You're going to get goose pimples like I did. I just I couldn't believe it when I read this. So it says Burnley on this day revisits the most magical and memorable moments from the club's illustrious history, mixing in a maelstrom of anecdotes and characters to produce an irresistible Clarets diary with an entry for every day of the year. From the club's Victorian origins as a football league founder member to the Premier League era. The Clarets rollercoaster journey has seen them become one of only four clubs to win every division of the Football League. Revisit the 1940 FA Cup final when Burnley beat Liverpool in front of King George V. Remember the incredible first division title wins of 1921 and 1960. Look back at the famous 1987 win over Orient that preserved Burnley's Football League status and recall the recent fabulous promotions to the Premier League. Timeless greats such as Jimmy McElroy, Jimmy Adamson and Ralph Coates sit alongside modern-day heroes, including Robbie Blake, Ben Mee and Sam Vokes. Read how this club from industrial Lancashire roots fought its way back from near oblivion to sit once again among the elite. Oh, my God! It is, so it is yeah. I, I hope the book lives <laughs> up to that. I must I hope. Because it was near oblivion, you know. I remember in 87 there was talk about, you know, we wouldn't even take our place in uh, what was the conference at that stage. You know, yeah. we'd fold. We'd fold. There were, there were supermarkets coming on the site. You know, Burnley would not exist anymore. You know, in the week before the Orient game, there was all sorts of rumours. You know, we were close to oblivion. It's not an exaggeration. You know, it it is a great story. It's a great story. And that's why we've yeah. got to absolutely fight tooth and nail to stay in this division. Yeah, and I think we will. And I think this, even with the modern day game and, and with the, the way that the club has improved and grown to, to the level that it is, there's still enough people around the group, including our board, I would add as well. I think it's really important for a club like Burnley to have the local guys on the board. There's people there who won't ever forget where we came from yeah, and care for the won't club. ever forget yeah. the fight. 
Say that again. Sorry, sorry care Tom. for the club. Yeah, they've got the the club's uh, yes, exactly. well being at heart. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, we've all got gripes. Yeah, definitely. You, you'll hear things and what, but but you know, we're working together. We've done some fantastic stuff off the field of play. The Barnfield Centre is absolutely marvellous. You know, and. That's with us now for years to come. It is a real investment yeah. in the years to come. Okay, we may not have got X and Y in the transfer window. You know, we may not have got through the European uh, qualifiers, but you know, we are where we are. Uh, we've every chance of staying in the Premier League. Yeah, and I think we should do as well. You're absolutely right. It's, I think with with the just the people around the club and, and the fight that's there, and of course we've got a manager who just gets us. He understands. He's he's grown to love the club and he's grown to understand what it means to us. And I think that's a, a real recipe. Yes. Um, so I think in terms of the book itself, um, it is available, listeners, to purchase on Amazon. I think it's ten pounds, just over yes, ten pounds. Yes, it's Amazon. Um, uh, Waterstone Club yes. Shop. I've got to mention the club shop, or so I'll be sacked. Yes, please I won't do. Be, uh, behind the mic, <laughs> club shop. Please. <laughs> Yes, if your first port of call, Burnley fans, is to the club shop, please go there. Um, only use Amazon if you simply cannot get <laughs> yeah. to the club shop and they won't post you out. <laughs> Let's be very clear. Um, what an absolutely fantastic Christmas present for any Burnley fan. Um, anybody who knows me, can you please write to Father Christmas and make sure that I get a copy of my Christmas stocking? That would be lovely. Um, <laughs> you know, I know all my family listen to this, so I'm going to get this. I'm, somebody's going to get it. Me. But you might not need to wait no. to see if Santa brings it to you because Phil Bird may uh, have a competition. Yeah, I've got a copy to give away. I've got, a, and it's a really simple question. We've mentioned uh, this guy once or twice already in the podcast. I've got a question for you. When Burnley won 3-2 at Stamford Bridge on the opening day of the 2017-18 season, who scored two of Burnley's goals? So a simple one. When Burnley won 3-2 at Stamford Bridge on the opening day of the 2017-18 season, and we're never going to forget that, are we? Who scored two of Burnley's goals? Brilliant. So, listeners, to win a copy of this fantastic book, all we need you to do is contact us in any one of the usual formats, either tweet us, send a message through Facebook, or send us an email to blog at net and tell us the answer to that question and all the correct answers will go into a hat and somebody will win that book and we will get it to you in time for Christmas as well. So we're going to be doing the draw this week. So don't delay. Get us that answer and we will send you the winner. Uh, we won't send you all one. We'll send you the winner, um, a copy of Bill Bird's book. Moving on, I guess, yeah. to further issues. I, I guess the only thing that, that's left <laughs> to really talk about is the matter of a very difficult two weeks yeah. wow. coming ahead in uh, to, to London. Before we get Phil's view on what we can expect, as ever, we have a resident statistician, Dave Roberts, who is going to talk us through what we can expect from a head-to-head. Yeah, looking back on the uh, Tottenham games, it's um, it's one of those matches. Is Tottenham? They, they were our rivals back in the nineteen sixties, long before uh, uh, you and I were born. Um, but there were some really, really heavy defeats back in those days, and they were uh, struggling. Certainly, late sixties, there was a, a real bad run of results. Um, we had a five nil defeat, a seven nil defeat, a four nil defeat, another four nil defeat. Change of manager didn't um, uh, didn't have a difference there. Harry Harry Potts had uh, 
three heady defeats in his last ga- uh, three games at Tottenham uh, as Burnley manager. And Jimmy Adamson's first match in uh, November 1970, that was a 4-0 a defeat as well. So we'll kind of gloss over, I think, those uh, those years and look back at... Uh, at ones will uh, Burnley fans will look at a little more fondly. We had a couple of 3-2 wins at Tottenham uh, in the 1970s um, under Jimmy Adamson. Uh, that was September 1973 and October 1974. But I'm, I'm, I'm fairly conscious on this when we do this feature that even matches in the 70s, there's, you've got to be reasonably old to remember those matches. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming back up to date a little bit more for one that I remember, which was the uh, League Cup campaign, um, Milk Cup as it was then in 1983 and uh, an amazing result for Burnley really who went to Tottenham um, it was the quarter final of the uh, of the Milk Cup and they, they went down there and they won 4-1 at White Hart Lane um, there were two two own goals Billy Hamilton uh, scored the other two for Burnley but it was a, a fantastic win but it was a, a time of turmoil for Burnley because um, Frank Casper had just come in as um, as, as Burnley manager um, Brian Miller had been sacked um, in the days leading up to it, um, and Burnley won four-one um, and got through to the semi-final of the Milk Cup that year to play uh, Liverpool in the a two-legged semi-final, um, which was actually the first the first Burnley match I went to was the uh, the one at Anfield. I was um, uh, a youngster, went along to uh, to Anfield to see Burnley play, but that was all on the back of this fantastic four-one uh, win that Burnley had at White Hart Lane on the 19th of January 1983. Since then, that, that, that's the last win, Natalie, is the, uh, is the bad news, because Burnley have played uh, seven matches at White Hart Lane since then. And last season, the, uh, the, the match we played against uh, Tottenham at Wembley. Uh, Chris Wood got the equaliser uh, late on. Uh, his first goal on his uh, Burnley debut, uh, Burnley drew 1-1. Uh, but that's the first point we've got. A lot of the other games actually in between were cup matches at um, at White Hart Lane. We played a, an FA Cup match. Uh, we lost 4-2. Uh, we had a 5-0 defeat in the first Premier League season. And we'd lost another couple of League Cup matches, one under uh, Jimmy Mullen and another one under Owen Coyle. So we don't have the best of records. I think we, do, we do have, I think, 12 victories in total against Tottenham going back. Um, but it's uh, slim pickings in uh, in recent years, so we'll be hoping to build on that uh, uh, that draw that we had last season um, when Chris Wood got the equaliser late on. Do you know it's always very depressing <laughs> talking to you, Dave? And I, I mean this with all the love in the world, because clearly, obviously, you, you're very lovely. But it, I always, when I were playing somebody like Spurs away or something like that, the the head-to-head stats are always really depressing. I, I, I always get, Dave does for me, and this is a little bit of background information for what it's like at Known and Ever HQ, but Dave does me a wonderful thing each week called Natalie's Cheat Sheet. Um, and it just, it just it's a tool, obviously, so I can see what Dave's looking at as well through and I can um, pick things out to discuss. And, and when I open the cheat sheet and it's literally just got the traffic light system, all the losses are in red and there's so many red things on this <laughs> Uh, I know. Um, so essentially, I think what you're saying to us then is, Dave, is that obviously Burnley are absolutely going to win on on Saturday. You know, there's we're just going to smash it, aren't we? That, well, that's what I got from that segment. Well, yeah, that it's one of those, isn't it, where we we have teams who come to turf more and they they're on a a bad run and suddenly they turn it around. So maybe we'll turn the tables. And it'll be our turn to uh, to get a victory find against Tottenham because it is a a while going back to. Uh, 
1983. So that's 35 years ago, isn't it? That's such a depressing Mm. date. (laughs) 35 years well you know what it's been a funny season this season so maybe this will be the season we'll go to Whitehall actually no we're not at Whitehall we're at Wembley aren't we yes where are we I don't even know where they're up to with their stand where are they they've still not decided I think all the matches certainly until um, early new year are still at Wembley oh, I mean, really? still not decided beyond that it could it could now be the end of the season I don't know it's it's, it's still up oh there. for goodness sake well, let's let's give them a Wembley hoodoo again. They had that last season, didn't they? Um, so taking all the head-to-head and all the stats and all the probabilities aside, where's your heart at at the weekend, Dave? Do you think we've got any chance of going there and getting a result, or are you writing us off? Um, we've always got a chance away from home. I think um, the, the last two matches we've had, the performances have been uh, infinitely better. Uh, the Liverpool game, you know, we didn't get the result in that match, but we played really well and we in the game right until the end, could have snatched an equaliser. In the end, you know, Liverpool went away and got a third goal. And we ground out the 1-0 win uh, against Brighton, which was deserved in the end. I think it was it was one of those games where, you know, you understandably you're still nervy at the end. They had, you know, three, uh, three or four corners, didn't they, right in the, uh, the last few minutes. But... Um, we have to build on that, and I think there is there is a confidence within the uh, within the team. There's a confidence uh, increasing within the uh, the support. So I'm I'm sure all the Burnley supporters who are going down to Wembley at the weekend will be uh, willing the team on. I'm not sure what the um, situation is with the crowd either, because I know that they had quite a low attendance. I think there was only about thirty three thousand on for the last well, maybe the, the home game before last. It was a recent home game where. Um, I think it was a combination of allocations and ticket prices, one thing or another. And uh, they only had 33,000 in at Wembley for a Tottenham game. So I guess that doesn't help them, you know, from from, from their point of view, playing in that stadium and only having, you know, 30,000, 35,000. It'll be echoing around a little bit in, in Wembley if it's only, you know, a third full. So that might possibly, you know, with a, I don't know how many Burnley fans are going to be there. I'm guessing they'll be. Um, We've not sold out. Either. No, I mean, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000, whatever there's going to be yeah. there. There'll be a, a vocal following from, from those Burnley fans. And there's a lot of London clarets as well, I know, who'll be down there and, uh, and, and and cheering the boys on. So it's one of those, you know, on, on, we need to build on that. In, in some ways, it's a free hit. It's, it's you know, you're not expected to get anything against the uh, the big sides. Um, we've got two games in a row, that one and Arsenal. So if we were to get anything out of those two games... Uh, a, a win in either would be fantastic. You know, a, a couple of draws would be be even better from, from the point of view of the confidence building and, and going forward. So, you know, any result, a win, a couple of draws, and we'd be more than happy. But the, the pressure's off a little bit, I think, having the three points at the weekend. Um, and we, we know that we've got a couple of home games, um, Boxing Day, and also West Ham's input back a day now for the 30th, hasn't it? So um, it's a case of doing what we can in those two matches to uh, get whatever we can because it's it's tricky against the the big sides and I think of the two you know they're going to be as difficult as each other I think of the two maybe the one after I mean we'll we'll be um, discussing that later but uh, the Arsenal one I think uh, we we owe them one in terms of uh, some of the decisions that have gone against us uh, against Arsenal yeah for sure. Excellent. So yeah, I, I mean, I definitely got from that feature that we were gonna we're gonna win. We're gonna absolutely smash him on Saturday. Um, Dave, you'll be joining us next week, won't you, to preview Arsenal? I will. Excellent. So have a great week, and we will see you next week. See you then. 
So, Phil, obviously we, we've had the, the head-to-head yep. stats there from, from Stato Dave. Taking all of that to one side, we've got a really difficult couple of fixtures coming up with two trips to the capital. Is there any chance of us getting anything from either of these two games or are they just going to be far too strong the difficult, for us? The difficult. I, I do feel, I think, apart from Manchester United, the big six, if anything, they've improved this season, I think. Spurs are a damn good side. They play uh, Barcelona away on the Tuesday. So we're, we're talking about a difficult fixture for us. Multiply it a bit because they're having to play uh, away at Barcelona. So I'm hoping, you know, they're going to have a difficult night and they're not going to be as fresh as they normally would be come Saturday afternoon. We got a point there last year. We hung we in. We hung in. You know, they had chances at 1 0. But I thought we defended really well. And just in the last... Was that the Chris Wood? was, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, uh, his first yes. Burnley goal, wasn't it? On his Premier League debut, came on as a sub. And just before that, we just got the sort of inkling that we were starting to create chances here and there. They'd got complacent and we went and banged in an equaliser. There was supposedly a Wembley hoodoo for them, wasn't there? And thankfully, we continued that. Oh, we course. continued that. Uh, we've got to make sure we, next year we're playing them and we're going to the new White Hart Lane. I'm sure that'll be in the players' yes. minds. That'll be in the players' minds. They've got to make sure they're playing away to Tottenham again. I know it's a, a devilish fixture, but they want it again next season, and they want to be going to the new White Hart Lane. Absolutely. And what a fantastic way to finish this week's podcast. Um, that's all we've got time for, and we have had an absolutely incredible show. Um, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. You've been an absolute superstar, and I could literally talk to you all evening, but unfortunately we, have, we do have to <laughs> cut the show short. Um, thanks as ever to the team around me who produce and edit the podcast, starting not by any means least with our producer, Matt, who edits together the show and makes the sound way more professional than I can. So thanks, Matt. Um, thanks to Robbie and to Statman Dave for their input as well with match analysis and the head-to-head stats for Spurs next weekend. But my thanks as ever finally go to you for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we just would not be here without you. Um, We'll be back next week with hopefully some fantastic news to report from our away fixture at Spurs. Have a great week in the meantime. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.